On the 8th and 9th of December 2022, the 41st edition of the annual BAM Marketing Congress took place. The Belgian Association of Marketing, event organizer of course, add some noise and Alluvision joined forces to meet with the most inspiring national and international marketing speakers for a fun chat. The result is 13 unique podcasts with fascinating marketing stories, useful tips and tricks, anecdotes and so much more. In this first episode, we're starting with a bang. Joe Pulizzi visited our podcast booth. He's the godfather of content marketing, being the first one to coin the term in 2001. He talks about the importance for innovative companies to work with a solid content strategy. For him, risk takers will have a bright future in content creation. Enjoy this first episode. Hi Joe, thanks for being here and thanks for your talk on stage. It's wonderful being here. Uh, so welcome in Belgium. Can you maybe for the people who are listening to this and who haven't seen your talk, summarize it a little bit in a few minutes, what's your principal idea? So the, the idea, I mean, I'm, I'm the content marketing guy. I always come in and say, look, not everyone needs to have a content marketing strategy, but I believe innovative companies really absolutely want to have one. And marketing today is really publishing. And what do we want to do in publishing? We want to build, uh, build an audience, loyal, trusted audience over a long period of time. And if we do that really well, we'll see a behavior change. So I tried to share five or six things that I thought was important in that. And, and, and maybe, you know, the whole thing we're talking about here at BAM Congress is uncertainty and taking in opportunities on uncertainty. And I really believe right now as marketers, we can take some risks with our content, but it means probably doing less. Yeah. Uh, but more focused in other areas. For example, I talked about, you know, we're, we're creating content in every channel. Do we need to be doing that? I don't think so. Uh, some of these channels, if we're not really looking at being the trusted expert and really uh, creating ongoing content experiences in those channels and focusing on it, don't do it. Let's kill some of those things off and let's focus on areas that we can truly be the best. Um, and I've talked heavily about absolutely leverage social media. But remember, you don't control that data. You don't control that distribution. So we want to make sure if we can, let's move those audiences over to something like an email where we can have an addressable audience. It's very important for us as marketers. And I did talk a lot about, we're seeing this in the United States right now, this trend for marketers that are actually acquiring content brands. They're acquiring media companies. They're acquiring a creator, small creator content brands, influencers. That's a trend that's just starting. So I think in the next three to five years, you're going to see a lot of acquisitions happen where we've normally seen it in traditional media. We're going to start seeing marketers do that where they're not totally relying on building audiences organically. We're going to see them purchasing them. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. something that, uh, that I remembered as well. And I was thinking in the Belgian context, this is, uh, this is something I haven't seen yet or not uh, at, that, at that big of a scale, but it will definitely come, I, I would assume a bit of a delay. Yeah, it's, well, it's interesting too. I mean, Belgium, small country, small community. So I think the opportunity is not for a organization of marketers buying a media company. I think the opportunity is buying a creator brand. Yeah. There's all sorts of creators here. They're leveraging their brands on YouTube and Instagram and other social platforms. They've got great, amazing podcasts or blogs or email newsletters. I think that if you are a brand in Belgium, that's where the opportunity is. Some of these deals that can happen are, are very reasonable when you think about the amount of money yeah. 
and authentic, authenticity, we talked about this a lot, is very important. It's hard for brands to do that and be transparent some way, but they can do that yeah. in effect through some of the creator partnerships that they have if they want to go that direction. So I know a lot of brands in Belgium aren't thinking about that, but I mm. really believe it's a huge opportunity. Yeah, right now their default choice in this realm in a way is to work with influencers, but that's a little bit different than the, what you're advocating for, right? Yeah, well, I look as most influencers, they are their own brand, right? It's right. their name, it's yes. them. Um, I'm looking at more creators that are, have created little media, media companies. They have a, created a content brand that is not their name. And you've got to be really careful because if you're buying, you know, if they were buying Joe Polizzi as the creator, it's all on me, right? If I do something bad, it's going to reflect poorly on the brand. I don't want that. So I want a little bit of, uh, of space in between the creator and the brand and look at that type of yes. system instead of just an influencer. Yes, yeah, I, I can imagine and maybe that's a bit of the crux here in uh, Belgium because the country is so small, two languages, it's more difficult to create like a media brand and you, it keeps being the person or something. And if you have a bigger uh, bigger area to cover, it's uh, easier to step in and, uh, and, and build something. Maybe, but it yeah. might also be an opportunity because if, let's agree. say you, you look, yes, yeah, if, if you have uh, maybe you have eight or nine creators that you partner with in some way that cover all these different niches and that's a better way to go about it instead of a broad strategy and as you know with content marketing to be effective we want to go as small as possible to start like you can't niche enough hmm. to start then you want to go broad after you've built that audience but if you start broad you can never be the leading informational expert because you're talking about the same things everyone else is talking about. You're not differentiated. You're not going to break through all the clutter. So you've got to think a little bit differently about that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's but you're going to market in a way. And one thing that you that you also mentioned is time. Time is very important. And you give the examples of very popular uh, media companies, as, as, uh, as, we, as we call them now, or influencer or whatever, that they started with nothing and took a long time. To get where you are, and it's about consistency and uh, finding the right nail and keep on uh, hammering on yep. it. It's such a good point. I mean, we talked. I talked in the presentation about everyone's favorite content marketing example is Red yeah. Bull Media House. Absolutely. People don't realize that Red Bull Media House has been around for 17 years now, mm. and they started as just a very simple magazine, the Red Bulletin, that they distributed at Formula One racetrack, and then they expanded into the Red Bull Media House that we know today. And so how do we buy some of that time? And, and I actually, it's just funny, I, just out in the hall, I talked to a marketer at a very large telecom company and they were saying, you know, how do, how do we do this? And I said, you ha if you're going to tell stories and you yeah. want to build an audience and community, you have to give your group time so that they can see success. If you said, hey, what can I, if I want to do content marketing, Joe, what can I expect in six to nine months? I always say nothing. Yeah. You should expect nothing. How are you going to build a loyal relationship with somebody in six months? You can't do it. You're trying to get married to this person. It takes a long time to build that relationship. So you need 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. So you have to make sure that in your marketing organization, you give those people the time so that they can be successful. Or buy them. So buy or build. If you want to build exactly. it, give it time. Be aware that it will take time, cost money. Or buy them for, for those who exactly. started from their own and did the effort and uh, mm -hmm. basically uh, went for it. And do the risk analysis. That's a really yeah. good point. Because yeah. if you know, I'm going to start today in this niche to build this audience, it's going to take 18 to 24 months. Or 
Should I spend the money up front by the audience that's already there mm-hmm. and take my chances? Yeah. And so there's there's an actual choice to be made there. And, I, and that's what I wanted to tell a lot of the marketers here is that some people don't realize that there's an actual choice to be made. You can go out and buy this if you choose to. Yeah. Uh, what, what you mentioned uh, before, uh, the social media thing, you don't own the, uh, the relationship or you don't own the, the contacts or, or the data or whatever you want to call it. it. Rings a bell from a decade ago. We used to say, don't build a house on, the, on, the, on rented land. That's right. And it's uh, the time when people started moving basically from a website to a social page. They had light gates at the time. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you remember them? Uh-huh. <laughs> But at a certain amount, uh, in a certain uh, uh, time, it became inevitable to to use social media. But you're saying, take one step back and try to build your base and uh, control it yourself, like Red Bull uh, does, I would say. Look look at any successful media company anywhere in the world. Mm They absolutely use social media. They do. They use yeah. the channels. They're doing video on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and whatever. But what are they focusing on more than anything else? Is their direct addressable relationships, mostly in the form of email. So that rent-to-own strategy has to be there because if you don't control distribution, you don't control anything. So if we build a, if we build our houses, let's say on those social channels, who's really getting all the power it's those companies it's those social platforms Absolutely. and we've done a great job yeah. as consumers and marketers about building them up and they're now they're multi-billion dollar platforms and they're very powerful but we don't have to continue to do that so make sure you build in your strategy and that's where you know if i'm going to build my home base i probably want to look at something like is it a podcast is it an email newsletter is it something on my website first and foremost and sometimes it can't be because You know, we like those social media channels because of the reach. The customers are already there. The audience is there. That's great. But you still have to move them because you might have a great show on, let's say, YouTube today. But in a week, they might say, look, you're you're not allowed to communicate on our channel anymore. And they can make those decisions however they want. And we don't know what's going to happen with Twitter. We don't know what's going to happen with TikTok. Things are getting crazy. So let's just focus on what we can do. And that's things that we can control. Yeah, you gave the example of a marketer who spent millions on building an audience on Google+. That's right. And they they killed it overnight. I remember that day that, yeah, the marketer (laughs) I was working with, she was crying. She's like, oh my gosh, we worked so hard on building this thing up. They spent millions and millions of dollars to build up this amazing community. And then, of course, got the note, hey, we're done. We're not doing this anymore. That could happen at any time. But probably more like, hey, we're not allowing you to use this. Or, oh, we had a nice, like what Facebook has done. Oh, we have a great algorithm. You can get access to this whole audience and it's absolutely free. And then the next day they said, oh, no, no, we've changed the whole algorithm. If you if you put content out there, we're not going to let anybody see it. So you're going to have to pay. You have to pay. You have to pay to talk yeah. to talk. Got to pay the toll. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So what, what, what can small companies do? Also start investing in email then? Uh, small companies, large companies and small companies choose. Yeah. I would say, look, you can't do all the things. If you do all the things, you're going to be mediocre at best. So yes. can you have the leading email newsletter in your industry? Can you have one of the best podcasts for a niche audience in your industry? Focus on one or two things that you can do really well. So that's my recommendation to any company, especially as we talk about you know these times of uncertainty, if you mm. will. 
focus on being great at a few things instead of so-so at everything. So small companies, it's much easier to say, look, we are going to do this podcast every Friday at this time. We're going to deliver excellence and we're going to build an audience over a long period of time. And I just think that's the best way to go about it. And then just be patient. And in 12, 18 months, 24 months, you're going to have something amazing. You're going to have a wonderful asset that you can, you've built these relationships with your audience and then you can start to see behavior change. Is the biggest change since you started in uh, in content uh, over a decade ago that by then it was all like web copy, uh, uh, copy on, on websites, the the importance of search uh, engine optimization. I would say right now yeah. it's such a such a multitude of uh, content platforms. I would say. You know, we go. It, it's interesting to see the trends. I mean, I started in the late '90s doing this, and everything was print. Everything right. was about print. These focusing on an amazing custom print publication. And then 03, 04, 05, those were the Google years. They're like, oh my God, we actually have to create content so that Google indexes it and then they come back to our site. And we're like, okay, we got to rely on Google. And then 06, 07, 08, that was Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn. And you're like, oh my God, we're gonna have to create content so people go to those platforms and then come back to us. And then it just, over and over and over again, we're talking about the same types of things. The ones that have succeeded, like the Red Bulls, have always focused on, we are going to create something that we can control and distribute directly to our audience on an ongoing period. And that's where you get to a point where what's more valuable at Red Bull? Is it Red Bull Media House or is it Red Bull the drink? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I think you can make a case either way. And I think every company is now in that position. Yeah, I think, I think as media companies, so as Joe Ramsey, I would say in the States, uh, or what's his name? Joe Rogan? No, no, no. Uh, he has an institute, uh, Ramsey Institute. Oh, the, for financial? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. It's a radio show and stuff. And, uh, and well, it's, it's I mean, if you look at, if you, it's amazing where you look at the fastest growing media companies right now are being led by creators, the creator economy. That's what you're seeing. I, I use the example in my speech about Mr. Beast, uh, which Jimmy Donaldson started a YouTube channel in 2012. Now he's worth over a hundred million dollars. He's got Mr. Beast Burger. He's starting all these new businesses. Uh, so it's pretty amazing what yeah. we're starting to see. And anyone can do that. That's also the challenge, by the way, because we're all creators. Yeah. Anyone can do this today. Yeah. I mean, my mom was a content creator and she posts on Facebook. So it's just, what's the strategy behind that, that you're yeah. going to do this as part to create an asset. So that's a little bit different, but the opportunities are there, yeah. but everyone's got those opportunities today. Yeah, okay. Well, if we look at the marketing funnel, uh, seating duo or uh, whatever you want to call sure. it, awareness, consideration, action, Typically, content, as, at least as how I can, uh, I, I see it uh, happen in a lot of cases, is very mid-funnel-y. Um, do you see it going upper funnel and lower funnel as well? And are there other things that we should do mid-funnel? Because I, I feel mid-funnel is also a little bit ignored. The reason why you would decide to buy sure. a brand that you already start knowing. Um, but yeah, mid, mid funnel is very complex, right? There's right. a lot that can happen in the very buyer's messy. journey. Yes, yes. But if you're going to traditionally with content marketing, if you were going to look at where that resides, it's all in loyalty. It's mm -hmm. all it's it's after the customer makes an acquisition. Okay. Yeah. So, like if you look at there's some very popular automat automotive publications that have been going on. If you go to a grocery store, they send a publication to them. That's 
the easiest place. Mm-hmm. That's the lowest hanging fruit, as we would call it in the States. Yep, yep. So I would start there if you're looking at something. So there's really three opportunities, I think, with content marketing. One is very early awareness. You want a great awareness strategy that, that could be something like a podcast. It could be something like a YouTube special, whatever. And then right before, maybe a little bit mid-funnel, right before the customer transaction, you can put something there and say, okay, we are really the leading informational expert in this thing. We're going to really help you solve these problems. That could be a webinar program. It could be an ebook series. It could be a lot of things, especially on the business to business side. And then of course, loyalty, that's where I was. If I'm any size marketer here yeah. at a conference like we're at today, I'm really focused on keeping the customers I have. Yes. And how do you do? Because what that's the hardest part, right? Actually getting the customer. You have your customer. How do you keep them? Deliver amazing information that's going to impact their life on a daily basis. What does that look like? You already have their data, right? So send it. You send. Maybe that is an incredible email. Maybe it is a podcast. Maybe it's a magazine whatever that we're seeing a resurgence of print again, uh, just because of the fact that so many people have left. Mm-hmm. They stopped their print publications. So many people went over to the digital, we forgot like, oh my God, we've got this thing called print and people spend 30 minutes with it when they, when they get a print <laughs> magazine. Yeah. So I, I, I would say um, if I was starting, I would look at that loyalty uh, and then awareness second, but you're right, that mid-level, it's, 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 I like to see if it's an ongoing show, you can hit a lot of those different parts of the buyer journey ongoing because we don't know when our customers are going to make decisions, but if we become the leading expert in something, maybe we don't have to focus on it as much. Yes, but I also see that technology gives a lot of opportunities for, uh, yeah. for content as well. For example, podcasts, at least there are some very good American produced ones where advertisers really are telling stories within the podcast sure. and not just uh, pushing their uh, their, their ad in a way. So. Well, I mean, it, in the States recently, we had the New York Times uh, and they had General Electric, buy, GE, buy out every ad in the newspaper and everybody was like, oh, that's just ads. Every one of those ads still told a story of some kind. Yeah. So I think we can't just think of advertising as interruption. Everything we're doing has a story, whether you're buying that yeah. story or whether you're telling that story ongoing as part of somebody's permission. Yeah. So it's just interesting. We're all storytellers today. We just have to accept that fact. Uh, for me, it's uh, the I, for my my number one favorite advertising quote is from Howard Gossage. If you if you know, he said. Uh, um, uh, people don't read ads. People read things that interest them, and sometimes it's an ad. So that's exactly right. Yeah, and if you just focus, and that's where we almost have to get out of our own way. Sometimes in marketing, we focus on oh, we've got to sell these products or these services. Yes, of course. At the end yeah. of the day, we have to sell stuff. But how does that happen? Mm-hmm. It's a total focus and immersion on the customer and on, yeah. on our audience and community. And the more we focus on that, the better we will be at selling products and services. And a lot of times we don't want to start with, oh, we got to sell these products and services and then come back to the customer. Everything starts with the customer. Yeah, I, myself, I'm running, I'm running an agency and I have the feeling that the um, definition of what content exactly is, is changing. So they ask us, do you make content? We say, no, we're not a content uh, creating agency. And then they meant ads or they meant like a movie for, for what is for content, right? Exactly. So it's uh, yeah, but it's funny because like five years ago, content was, was, was something that was, uh, well, uh, 
worked on for for a long time or something, or a text or a longer video. But now it's an ad, it's content as well. Or it's a, it's an observation. I, th I thought it was funny a little bit. It's interesting. I mean, I uh, somebody just asked me. It's like, oh, well, what's a big change in content marketing, especially at this mm. this event? And I said, what I like is that everybody, when you say content marketing, they have some idea of what it is. Mm -hmm. So that's good. There is some recognition. The bad part is, is that most of them are wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there, it is whatever it is to them, right? Yeah, it is an absolutely. ad. It is SEO content. It might be a podcast. So you have, and and a lot of it is the thinking in campaigns, mm -hmm. which is probably the biggest issue here that I've run into. Every every content program seems to happen in a six to nine month cycle. Yes, it's like that's fine. Yeah. There's a place for that. There might always be a place for that. But that's not what I'm talking about. Like, no, no. This is a marathon. This is not a sprint. This is something that we, how do we build an ongoing relationship yeah. with our customer forever? Yeah, campaign is uh, defined in time. Content should exceed yeah. that in a way. Yeah, a campaign stops. Yeah. So campaign say, okay, stops. so you stop. And if you, you, you make this promise with your customers and then you stop it after nine months, that's terrible. Yeah. And you have to restart everything again. You lose the trust of your audience. Don't do that. Yeah. So. Still, some content is no longer relevant, so it's also important to keep it fresh, I guess. If you have a have a, have a database of content and things are changing in the market. Uh. Well, I think that's the, that's one of the core goals of your content team right now, yeah, whatever yeah, whoever yeah. those people are, is, is anything that is accessible, you have to have some pro kind of process for updating that. And mm -hmm. like your web, obviously web content specifically, if it's a podcast, that's a little bit different, it's sort different. of a yeah. stamp in time, but anything on your website is new to the person that it goes to. I don't sure. care if it was published five years ago. Um, when, you know, I used to work at Content Marketing Institute, founded that company, we had a blog post called What is Content Marketing? Still today, most popular post. Uh, so 15 years later, it still gets 500 to 1,000 people a day going to that post. You have to make sure that that's fresh, like it's the first time anyone ever saw it. Yeah. I think sometimes we forget that, like, oh, we set it and forget it. No, you can't with this anymore. Yes. Everything's living. What's your feeling about marketing automation? Because uh, I guess from a marketer's point of view, it makes sense, but I'm looking at it from a consumer point of view, and I can only say that it annoys the hell out of me. Yeah, it's so marketing automation, what's interesting is if you look at how most enterprises use marketing automation, they probably use five to 10% of the capabilities. Sometimes you really just need a good email marketing program <laughs> and that will solve a lot of your issues. Um, my, my recommendation to marketers is if you don't have a marketing automation platform or system of some kind, I would wait until the last possible moment because you might not, you, it's so expensive. You have to integrate so much of it. And I'm on, I don't want to put it down because it does a lot of good in a lot of large companies, but I think we go to it as a savior. We don't realize that, oh my God, how much more content do we have to create to get this personalized experience? And my question is, what is personalized to you? Like, is this a name? Is yeah. this when you're going to send it? Is it a series of interruptions? Or is it something that you're really going to drive value? And I think that's your concern as well. Yes. If you're going to use it and you feel it's going to drive value for the customers, by all means, go all in. But if this is a part where, oh, you might be able to track a few things that you didn't track before and it and it does come between you and the relationship with your customer, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. a problem. It is a problem. I have the feeling that at a certain amount, the tool can be become like 
solution and not uh, not a means to an end or something. So they installed like HubSpot or SharpSpring, and now yeah. we have to get all o- out of it, and we have to use it. And uh, in the end, it's it's as a consumer, it feels very very uh, strange, very very cold, very well non natural in a way. I've seen it. I mean. To be fair, to be fair, I've seen, I've, yeah. I, to be fair, I've seen some some companies that I've worked with. They get to a point where they can predict touch points with sales, okay. and they know. And and I think that's what you want to use it for. And if you could track and say, okay, we can track this. We're using marketing automation, and we've got it all hooked up the right way. Probably spent a year or two years getting it all done, and say, okay, we know that our number is seven or eight. And when they get to that point, maybe it's time for somebody to, to make a call. From that standpoint, I like it because they're already being educated. They've already, you know, they've read that ebook or gone to that webinar and then maybe they're ready for a call instead of, I just filled out this form and I get a call 30 minutes later yeah. from somebody. That's horrible. Uh, it's like the worst customer service yeah, ever. Absolutely. So if you can set a process where you can start to predict, okay, we feel that customers are ready to talk to us at this point, it's okay. So I... I would use it for good. Use it for good and not for evil, still, if that's possible. Still, it's a bit of a rented crown situation as well. Uh, I, you know, the challenge is that I got a love-hate relationship with it because I think that most of the com- companies we talk to use it as a glorified email marketing program. True. And if you just need email, just use it for, just use it for email. G- a GDRP compliant, whatever, whatever it is, go with that and not... Not this whole big thing. Doesn't have to be that way. All right. Thank uh, thank you. These are my questions. So I'd like to thank you for for a podcast and for being here. And I hope you enjoy your stay in Belgium. Oh, looking forward to it. I love it. I think this is my third or fourth time in Belgium. I absolutely love being here. We're staying the weekend. We're going to have a great time. So So have a good beer. Absolutely. Beer and chocolate, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you. Did you enjoy this episode? Leave your opinion on LinkedIn with the hashtag BOM Marketing Congress and let's continue the discussion. Stay up to date with other BOM news through marketing.be and keep December 7th and 8th, 2023 open in your calendar for the 42nd edition of the BOM Marketing Congress. See you there.